0: You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. This week, or recently, I was reading an article about a man who was traveling through Asia visiting... um, persecuted Christians, Christians that he knew were facing persecution, and he was telling some different stories about that, and in one place he went to Laos and was there, and he, he met a man named Fong, P-H-O-N-G, who lived in a village there and who had an evangelist had shared the gospel with, and Fong became a Christian, believed in Christ, and promptly went back to his village in Laos and shared the gospel, and six other people came to know Christ. And uh, but, however, the his outreach and sharing the gospel upset the village leaders, and uh, to the point where uh, Fong and his wife and two children were uh, forcibly removed from the village. They had to leave the village, in which they went to stay with some family. I like how he said it: who weren't Christians yet. But what was interesting is this man talked to Fong. He said, he said uh, hey, Fong, are, are you discouraged by what happened? And, and Fong's response was, well, no, this is God's plan. And, and the man said, well, how do you feel about this? And Fong responded this way, and this is what caught my attention. He goes, I'm not disappointed. I feel honored. Now listen to these two lines. This is in the Bible. If I wasn't a real Christian this wouldn't have happened this is in the bible if i wasn't a real christian this wouldn't have happened to me that is an astounding observation the expectation of being first of all sharing the gospel so people become christians and then being persecuted well that's just the way it's supposed to be it's in the bible and i started thinking about that this week and and I was thinking that, and, 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 I, and I was thinking about it, and I'm going to phrase the question the way it was fra- I phrased it to myself, I'm going to phrase it to you. If you here are a Christian, you name the name of Christ, call yourself a follower of Jesus, I want you to think about your life for a second. And don't even think about your whole life. Just, just think about this year. Let's just think about 2015. The events the circumstances, the relationships, the routines, whatever comes to your mind as you think about your year this year. And as you think about it, do you draw this conclusion? I'm not disappointed. I feel honored. This is in the Bible. If I wasn't a real Christian, this wouldn't have happened. Is that a phrase that you would say? Would I say about my life? If we are real Christians, what should we expect to happen? If we are real Christians, what should we expect to happen? Today we're going to look at, in fact, the next two Sundays, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 is another dialogue, another teaching opportunity that Jesus goes and gives a long sermon. It's only one chapter, unlike the Sermon on the Mount that was three. But in it, we um, are going to see some things he says about what to expect to be Christians, to be followers of him. So this is what we're going to do, is I'm going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to go through some stuff. Josh is going to also visit the chapter next week and and focus on some other areas. But as I read it now, I'm going to read through the whole chapter. As I read this, I want some uh, little participation on your part. And this is what I mean. I want you to think and listen carefully it'll be up on the screen you can read it read it if you have in front of you read it i want you to think about the passage and i want to ask yourself this question as you go through this if we're real christians from this passage from this description that jesus gives what should we expect to happen in our lives and then what we're going to do for a few minutes is you're going to tell me what you heard in the passage and i'm going to write some of those things on the board Okay? So I want you to listen, and then afterwards I'm going to ask you, what did you hear? What should be the expectation? Okay? You guys with me? Yeah, okay, thank you. I know some of your names, so I can call on people, so just keep that in mind. Okay? Always, it's good teaching to know that you can call on people. So can you stand with me in honor of reading God's Word? We're going to be reading Matthew chapter 10, the whole, whole thing, 38 verses. Hear the word of the Lord. And he, being Jesus, called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. You have received without paying, give without pay." No gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey no two, or two tunics or sandals or staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Whenever town you or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you and if if anyone would not receive you or listen to your words shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town truly I say to you it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town behold I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves beware of men who Beware of when, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness for, for before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you will speak or what you will say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who, will, who speak, but the Holy Spirit of your Father speaking through you. "'Brother will deliver brother over to death, "'and the father, his child, and children "'will rise up against their parents "'and have them put to death. "'And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. "'But the one who endures to the end will be saved. "'And when they persecute you in one town, "'flee to the next. "'For truly, I say to you, "'you will not go through all the towns of Israel "'before the Son of Man comes. "'A disciple is not above his teacher, "'nor a servant above his master.' It is is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they had called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you've heard whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground and apart from the Father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. So, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I I have come to set man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me, and the one who receives the prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous man, because he is a righteous man, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water, because he is, my, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will, by, he will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these words. We thank you for the challenge of these words. We thank you for the inspiration of these words. We thank you for these words that have... Uh, impacted the church uh, through thousands of years and also through thousands of countries and peoples. And Lord, we just pray that they would also impact us. Speak to us as a people here in a way that we can not only understand them, but live according to the truth of your gospel that they contain. We thank you in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. And you can start talking. What did you hear? The question is, if we are real Christians, according to this passage, Jesus is telling them, this is what to expect. What should we expect to happen? Conflict. What's that? Conflict. conflict. What kind of conflict? That's kind of generic. Conflict, about, about, um, the truth. conflict people rejecting the truth. There's a re- there is a we have a message, we're going to reject the message. How about some other things? What, what did you hear? You're going to be arrested. You're going to be arrested. OK. Uh, you're going to be arrested. What else are you going to do when they arrest you? They're going to beat you. You're going to be treated harshly. They flog, whipped, beaten. Sometimes they don't even bother arresting you. They'll just beat you. What else did you hear? what's that yeah yeah so even 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 though we can anticipate this there's another aspect of this right fear why because he knows the head. he knows you he knows all about the sparrows and you're more valuable as the sparrows don't be anxious there's another reason why we don't need to fear when we're arrested what was the other reason we don't need to be fear when we're arrested that's so right, the Holy Spirit, interesting, the Holy Spirit of the Father, showing the fatherly care, that's why the Holy Spirit's there, will give us the words to say. Now this is, by the way, not a, a command to be lazy and preparing for a sermon or a message. This is when you're standing in front of anybody and you're being persecuted, don't panic, open your mouth and speak, the Holy Spirit will use it. What else else should we read? What else should we expect? I can't hear you. To travel. travel. Yeah. Uh, They're sent. Right? He sent repeatedly. I'm sending you out. Verse 16 I'm sending you out. When you go to one village and find somebody there and then do your stuff, and if you get rejected, leave. Go to the next village. There's movement. What else? Hatred, just out and out hatred. You will be hated. Why? Yeah, because of me. Not because you're a jerk, not because you're obnoxious, but because you stand for Christ. People will say, because you stand for Christ, they hate you. What else things did you? Should we expect? Be rejected, and, and he's, he he rejected and um betrayed and he he talks about it twice in the passage jesus brings it up twice and who does he specifically mention name family by family i mean he names relationships family will attack family and because of the gospel Anything else comes to mind? To gain in fellowship. Say that? To gain in fellowship, so the people that receive the righteous man will be rewarded the righteous, the righteous be rewarded. Right. Yeah, there, there's another positive thing here is that he even there is rewards. He ends the, the sermon by saying, hey, there are rewards. The one who uh endures to the end will be saved there's an endurance here but there are rewards for those not only who live this way but also who help those who don't if you just even give a glass of water to one a little one who's a disciple your heavenly father repays attention to that we talked about that during the sermon on the mount G- sin will be revealed how's that Oh, oh oh, yeah he, he talks about in there yes he talks about things that are hidden will be revealed things that i share quietly are going to be shouted so there is a there's a revealing both of, of i think the revelation there revealing uh revelation is both of the negative okay the, the harm that's done that we don't know about but also the positive things the people who endure that nobody ever hears about in heaven people will know that they endured the persecution christian Yeah, they'll be maligning, they'll be verbal, uh, they'll, they'll attack people. Uh, if we want to save our life, we're going to lose it. There's, there's a lot here. There's just a lot of things. We can keep going. But, but here's back to that question. If we are real Christians, what should we expect to happen? And we just highlighted a few of the things. Some of them are hard to hear. Rejected by family. Physically tortured and beaten. We should expect that. On the opposite side, because of these, these things will happen. But that's what we're going to expect. Josh and I were talking about this passage as we looked at 10 and we said, hey, what, you know, as we worked through his sermons and started thinking about how we're doing it this week and him next week, one of the things we both said is what, when you read through it as a whole, what was your gut feeling? And he said it and I said the same thing. It's that, you know, we feel there's a disconnect between us and this passage. We, we feel that this passage, though true though, is god 's word to us today, there is a disconnect from how we in America, we at Red Sea, experience life in Christ. Are we not less are we not real Christians then? because we can 't name the, our beatings? Are we not real Christians, or what is it should we expect? And as we talked about it, I decided to shift gears a little bit and decided to um, um, not focus so much this week on us, but to focus this week on who is this true for right now? Who could we point to right now in 2015 and say, this is real, this, this is how they live? One of the realities is in much of the world, in fact, if not most of the world, this is the way it is unfortunately or fortunately depends how you view it it's not so true in america so let's i want to talk a little bit this morning about the persecuted church i want to talk a little bit about the christians our brothers and sisters in christ millions of them around the world who this chapter 10 is an everyday reality for their lives some of them don't know any different we'll talk about that what do we mean by christian persecution it's just hostility in all forms experienced from the world as a result of their identification as christ i'm not just even talking about the josh talked about the refugee because of war and conflict or because of human rights violations those are important justice should be served i'm I'm being more narrow than that i'm talking about those people who claim the name of christ and because of that they are persecuted they're hurt in one way or another i don't mean just people who are nominal christians i once heard a woman share she was about being a christian in saudi arabia and after she spoke i went up to her. she just mentioned it in passing and i went up to her and said hey what's it like to be a christian in saudi arabia and she starts telling me about her and her husband's job i said no 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 what's it like being a christian in a muslim nation she goes "Oh, oh oh i'm not that kind of christian you see in the middle east you're either a jew a muslim or a christian and i'm not a jew or a muslim so i'm a christian okay i'm not talking about those people I'm talking about people who have come to a saving faith of Christ, identify with Christ, and in whatever capacity, name him. They face all sorts of things, verbal harassment, beatings, physical torture, confinement, isolation, rape, severe punishment, imprisonment, slavery, discrimination in education, employment, and even death. According to the Pew Research Center, over 75% of the world's population live in areas with religious restrictions. Many of them, not all of them, many of them are Christians. 75% 75% of the world's population have restrictions on them because of their religious beliefs. According to the United States Department, according to the United States Department of State, uh, Christians in more than 60 countries face persecutions from their governments or surrounding neighbors simply because of their belief in Jesus Christ. 60 countries they can name. You can, find, you can get online, get maps of them. Why, why is there persecution? Let's just think really quickly. What does it look like? And Well, just really briefly, there's, first of all, there's authoritarian governments who seek to control religious thought and expression by almost everybody in their domain. Like, for example, North Korea and other communist countries, their governments seek to control all religious thought expressed, uh, and, and they want comprehensive control over everybody and what everybody believes, and they believe any religious group are enemies of the state, and therefore should be persecuted. There's those kind of persecutions. There are also hostility towards non-traditional or minority religious groups. So, for example, in, in Niger, more than 98% of the population is Islamic, and the hostility comes from the society more than it does the government. The government is not anti-Christian. The 98% of the, it, those who are Islamic are. Many of them, not all of them. Historically, Islam in the West Africa has been moderate. They have been very tolerant of other religions, particularly Christians. But in the last 20 years, dozens dozen of Islamic associations have emerged, and they have become these associations, these groups of Muslims, small groups of Muslims mostly, have become very violent towards Christians. And then we also saw the one here, that is probably one of the most extensive ones all around the world, and that is rejection by family and friends. When people come to Christ out of uh, Islam or Hinduism or some other kind of paganism, whatever they are, they're, they're, these converts are often viewed as traitors to not only their religion but to their family, and they're ostracized. They are sometimes and often literally pushed away and leave, as we saw with Fong in Laos. There is a, a verse that Jesus shares with us in verse 10, in chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, which is the a primary issue with the persecuted church since the time of jesus to the apostles that he has spoken to to the book of acts to the early church for two thousand years of church history and particularly the past century verses 32 and 33 are a pivotal issue with why there are persecuted christians and it says this he says so everyone that includes us everyone not just his 12 apostles so if, so, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I, this is Jesus speaking, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And that has been the touch point since the since time of Christ. If we acknowledge him, no matter what the cost, we will be acknowledged. But if we deny him the ultimate price to pay, is that we will be denied by Christ before the Father in Heaven. That is why the church and people stay so strong in saying, in the face of death, in the face of you hurting my family, in the face of all this persecution, I cannot deny Christ. There's lots of statistics about what the persecuted church goes through. Lots of different ones. Some are probably more trustworthy than not. Some of them, many of them are probably guesses. But one of them, for example, just give us a taste of some of the example. One of the Uh, from a place that I feel is fairly reputable, as far as I know. I've I've looked at a number of them. Um, They said each month, this is an average, this is an estimate, each month now, each month, approximately 322 Christians are killed for their faith in the world. 322 a month. 214 churches or Christian properties are either destroyed or confiscated. 772 forms of violence are committed against Christians. These are beatings, these are abductions, these are rapes, arrests, forced marriages. Acts of violence, 772 a year. Now, we might be saying, okay, these are Christian sites who are probably, you know, they're going to be propagating up the numbers a little bit to make their case. Maybe, maybe not. Even if, even if a fraction of these are accurate, it's still a lot and 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 it's not just a christian center i read an article out of the american center of law and justice i read an article from the wall street journal now these are not christian tabloids the wall street journal has an article on august 20th 2015 last week it said the title of the article exterminating christians in the middle east here's a quote middle eastern christians are being exterminated by the islamic state or isis simply because they are christians as jews were forced to wear the yellow star david christians homes are marked with an arabic letter n for nazarene eric's er, iraqi sister diana uh, momika uh, testified uh, to the house foreign affairs committee in may that ISIS plan is to evacuate the land of Christians and wipe the earth clean of any existence that they ever existed. So there are some groups, and again, it might be a numerically a, uh, a minority, but however, they are also proportionately extremely violent. As we, um, and it's interesting, just real quick, that article in the Wall Street Journal, his point was, all these Christians are being killed and the world is silent and he draws the parallel between all the Jews being killed by Nazis and early on in the war and we remain silent because we didn't believe it was true and he documents that that case and he's saying it's the same thing just a different group of people and as I was reading through some of this material this week I decided that I wanted to learn I I have not faced persecution Uh, Not even close, okay? Not even close. The greatest persecution I have now is I have an hour commute to work and back, okay? That's as bad as it gets for me right now, okay? But I think there are some things that we can learn, and as I was researching and reading some articles about this recently, and I get uh, the Voice of Martyr magazine every month and and those kind of things, there is a theology of Christian persecution. I want to share some things. I got some of this from the, the website Open Doors, and I'm giving them, acknowledging that much of this is them. And this theology of persecution, for us as American Christians, much of it is counterintuitive. But I think it can be instructive. We can learn about how we live our lives, but we can also learn about how all those other Christians are living their lives. He quotes, they quote, for example, and we've already looked at this passage in Matthew uh, 5, and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, "All the Blessed, 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 blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's something about these hardships that God allows, this persecution that he knew is part of his plan, and, and through these, pers- these persecutions, these hardships, we discover who God is and how he works, and the Christians who are live in those persecuted communities, know this more than we do, to be blunt. We're not sure why God allows these kind of uh, outrageous acts of violence towards Christians, but we do know that those Christians, that He, God, if you listen to their stories, often what you hear them talk about is this more than this. That they find the courage and the peace and even joy in the midst of their suffering. One of the websites had some theological lessons for, they have material for the persecuted church, and this is what they want them to know, and this is what they want uh, want us to know so we can learn. Six six lessons, very briefly, six lessons. One, sometimes you need to build yourself a cell. One, sometimes you need to build yourself a cell. He means jail cell. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. One Chinese leader who spent 23 years in prison once said to, to this to a Christian who, needed to face, who did not face persecution. I was pushed into a cell, but you have to push yourself into one. You have, no, you have no time to know God. You need to build yourself a cell so that you can do for yourself what persecution did for my life. Simplify your life and know God. It's vital that we spend time with God and grow with him, whether we're being persecuted or not. If you're going to stand strong in persecution, they say you need know how to spend time with God alone because you're going to spend a lot of time alone with him during persecution. Two, God keeps secrets. The second lesson is that God keeps secrets. Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There have been countless stories of persecuted Christians who have died without seeing the fruits of their labor. However, God knows all that has been and all that is to come. Our labor is not in vain. It is in his hands. Third lesson. Weakness is a direct path to power. Weakness is a direct path to power. 2 Corinthians 12.10 that is why for Christ's sake I delight in my weakness in insults in hardships in persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak then I am strong that's Paul speaking who understood this personally an egyptian christian reflected on the way he was treated when he converted to christ in great suffering he says this quote in great suffering you discover a different jesus than you did in your normal life pain and suffering bring up to the surface all the weak points of your personality. In my weakest state, I had the incredible realization that Jesus loved me even right then. True empowerment does not come from human means, but through Christ alone. It often takes us being at our weakest point to realize this. The fourth lesson from the persecuted church. Overcoming is greater than deliverance. Overcoming is greater than deliverance. Ro- Romans 12:21. Do not be overcome with, by evil, but overcome evil with good. Persecuted Christians, no matter what country they are from, do not ask us to pray that persecution would end, but rather ask us to pray that they can stand strong through the persecution. They do not wish to be delivered from the persecution, but rather ask us to pray that they would be able to be overcome the trials that they are facing in a way that is honoring to God. We see that in the book of Acts, frequently, Acts chapter 4, when they're being persecuted and they pray, and the church prays. They never ask God to stop the persecution. They ask God, let us speak boldly, and you do mighty works through us. And that's exactly what happened, Acts chapter 4. Five, extreme hurt requires extreme forgiveness. Extreme hurt requires extreme forgiveness. Luke 23:34 and Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they cast lots to divide His garments." A Christian widow from Iran said, quote, "I had only hatred in my heart for my enemies who had murdered my husband. But one day in a miracle happened, God taught me how I could love my enemies. I've been praying for this, even though on the deepest level, I didn't want it to happen. Appreciate our honesty. Gradually, though, the process and ups and downs, God answered this prayer. The only way we can get through extreme hurt is by forgiving people as Christ did. The sixth lesson. Prayer is the ultimate fellowship. Prayer is the ultimate fellowship. Hebrews thirteen, three. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Many persecuted, per, ugh, many persecuted Christians often feel isolated and alone since they are unable to, excuse me, fellowship with other believers. However, the prayers from Christians half a world away have brought the same amount of encouragement that the fellowship would have had for these persecuted Christians. Prayer is vital not only as a direct line to God but as a way to encourage our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. He goes on and. It says when we are all, the the imagery of 1 Corinthians is that there is only one body. And when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And he goes on and says, Persecuted Christians and Christians in the free world are not separate entities, but rather one body. The persecuted church needs the free church to support them and most importantly lift them up in prayer. Now listen to this. The church in the free world learns lessons from the persecuted church who have been stood strong in the face of persecution Christ is the head of the body and uses the church, both free and persecuted, in unique and powerful ways we need each other number two God keeps secrets that's why you didn't know, because it was a secret okay (laughs) okay um, I, wanna, I want somebody to, to emphasize this disconnection between us and the rest of the world in a way that I can't, so I'm gonna, we're going to play a, a clip from Francis Chan for you, It's just a piece of a message, it's a piece of a piece of a message that he shared, and I want you to listen carefully to what he says, and afterwards, like we did with the text, I want you to tell me what you hear, I want you to tell me what his emphasis is, okay, go ahead. here. A couple things at once. Go ahead. Yeah, he said it better, though. He's more animated. (laughs) By the way, that's that. Yeah, where's his church? You guys want to go to his church? Uh, He doesn't have one anymore. Okay. Uh, He, uh, by the way, I should have introduced him. That's Francis Chan. He's from California, and he he gave up his pastor to, to do other things like visit the persecuted world. So, but um, I'm sorry I'll, yeah it's so similar to what we said but he said it differently what were you going to say yeah one of the things that he even said is he expected he expected to hear about the devotion he expected to hear about the passion that clip is about him visiting other countries also I just showed you the China one he says that he expected that but what he didn't expect is the amount of joy these people had just pure joy and they were excited and he even talked about how they thought as they were being persecuted this is so cool this is the way it's supposed to be I'm legit. What else did you hear? I'm not looking for any one right thing, by the way. Yeah, we, we, we should laugh more at ourselves, shouldn't we? If you really stop and ask about the things that we fight over or emphasize as churches, I think some, and we hold up our iPads, <laughs> our Bibles, okay? Does it, does it make sense? One of the things that caught me in this is, he goes, holding up his Bible, There he goes, their lives make sense their lives make sense and in most of the world that's the way it is that's the way it is now some of us might be just saying you know okay that's great we are just born in a different place we're just born in a uh, uh, a country that is just not true and that's an act of sovereign grace isn't it we should not belittle that in any stretch of imagination but but with the privilege comes responsibility But at the same time, it would be wrong for us to say, you know what, because we don't live in North Korea or China or Laos or Iraq or Syria, we're we're good to go. This really doesn't apply to us. And that's a mistake. It's a mistake. Like we said earlier, the, the thing that separates the country is if anyone, if everyone, so everyone, sorry, so everyone who acknowledges me, I will acknowledge. Everyone, that includes us, who denies I will deny before my father in heaven that that includes us and then we look at other passages like nate verse 16. this caught my attention this is where i parked myself a lot this week is behold i am sending you out as sheep amongst wolves so be wise a serpent as innocent a doves notice he's not just he's saying jesus is saying notice the phrase here. i jesus i am sending you i'm sending you here sheep, go and his metaphor his imagery is you're the sheep, my disciples are sheep, I'm sending you in the midst among wolves. That's his own imagery. He's not saying, just be careful because there's bad people out there. By the phraseology, he's saying, I am intentionally sending you to those bad people. That's what Jesus is saying. That, That includes us. I was thinking about this this week at this imagery trying to visualize okay jesus is a shepherd he's got sheep he's sending them out there as a pack of wolves he sent them you ever see those pictures of jesus on the walls usually in churches i visit a lot of churches and i see a lot of pictures of jesus you know jesus caucasian right white long hair very clean he has an ironed tunic okay even though he walks around the desert all the time i don't know how he keeps it so clean okay and he's usually carrying a sheep or holding a sheep and he's called the good shepherd and those are true it's true how come nobody ever paints a picture of this how come nobody ever paints a picture of the shepherd sending his sheep in the midst of the wolves what is jesus expectation by using that imagery it's not going to be pretty this is going to happen and i'm sending you to that including us He says, be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. Again, he's mixing his metaphors, he's using his imagery. Be wise as serpents. Be shrewd is the word. Shrewd. Be aware. uh, It's like a businessman who takes advantages of opportunities. Be wise. Be innocent as doves. In other words, be vulnerable. Be risky. Be open. But doves are not harsh. They're not violent. And as I thought again about this imagery, I was thinking about Jesus is sending us as sheep among wolves. And as I was thinking about that, I said, well, then, what's the outcome? And my conclusion was that we need, I need, you need to have confidence in the shepherd. Right? Right? He's saying, I'm sending you a sheep among wolves. He did not say, I am leaving you. Our confidence is Jesus is the Good Shepherd. In John's Gospel, Jesus expands on this. He says, I am the Good Shepherd. A Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. That's the Gospel that we gathers us here together in Red Sea. Jesus went on and said, I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own and my my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Listen to this. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Free church, persecuted church. I added that, by the way. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord and I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up. And this charge I have received from the Father. We are as sheep sent among wolves, but we are also shepherded by the good shepherd who lays down his life for those very sheep. He lays them down not only to redeem them and make his own so we hear his voice, but also to keep us safe, ultimately safe in his care. That is the promise of the gospel, the promises, and he said, Behold, all those who endure at the end will be saved. So what do we do with this? This is where I turn it over to Josh next week, okay? In conclusion, Josh is gonna wrap up and apply all this. What we have is a sign up sheet in the connect booth so you can we can move to North Korea and no, we're not gonna do that. Uh, we are going to revisit this passage next week i wanted to emphasize the persecuted church because they're part of our brothers in christ in which we live and we need to be aware of and in light of that i have a, not an application but a request a call to all of you who feel so motivated so led by the holy spirit instead of josh and i saying hey we're going to start our new persecuted church program or we're going to do this or do that we're not going to do that at least not right now we're asking you how do we engage with the persecuted church around the world how do we become more aware of and persistently mindful of persecuted christians around the world how do we do that we want you to help us figure that out how do we support how do we support those who are suffering for the name of christ and thirdly how do we learn from those who are persecuted what can we learn but how do we learn from them how we can live our lives for the glory of god and that we can stand before christ on that day and he will not deny us but he will say he'll say well done good and faithful servants how do we do that we are asking you to pray to talk can you throw the resources here's two resources one of many that are available i subscribe to voice of the martyrs they have a magazine they have a website they have a blog uh, and open doors is another one some of the stuff i shared about the lessons was from open doors there's other ones If you want to say, well, I'm not sure where to begin, they have packages, they have plans, they have all sorts of stuff. If you want ideas, go there. But we're not going to just plug into them. We want you, and we want us as a body, saying, how can we connect, be aware and mindful of the persecuted church? How can we become supportive of them? And thirdly, how can we learn from them so we live our lives better? Those are some resources and as you come now we're going to end by taking communion and as you go up i want to remind you if you are name the name of christ if you are a follower of christ you have responded to the gospel that christ died for your sins and you said yep i accept that i respond in repentance and faith believing in jesus then we invite you to take communion come up rip off a piece of bread come with other people come with yourself whatever you feel dip it in the juice wine we even have the we have gluten-free on both sides we do i don't know that's so (laughs) intuitive but think about this jesus said i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and as you come up and take communion this week i want you to remember not only that jesus gave his life for you but he also gave his life for the brothers and sisters in christ around the world who do not get to gather in a gathering like this and take communion like we take communion freely Remember them, and I'm asking you to pray for them, how how the Lord leads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your generosity. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. Lord, we thank you for the challenge of your word that you bring to us through passages. Lord, I pray for us here that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our... Uh, willfulness to embrace and uh, be aware of and embrace those uh, brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who share uh, you as Good Shepherd. Lord, I pray we can learn to live in the joy that they have. Lord, I pray that we, that can be said of us, that is said of them, in light of the Scripture, their lives make sense. May we be a people, as individuals, as families, as a church, who in light of the gospel, our lives make sense. We thank you in your precious and glorious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.